Good to see everybody here. Good to be seen this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in. I've been taking the last couple weeks. We've been talking about peace because, I mean, it's this time. Peace has come to earth. It's a great time to celebrate our Prince of Peace. It's a great time to celebrate Jesus and his birth. And of course, uh, I think especially at the holiday seasons, we could definitely use a little bit more peace, right? Especially if you wind up ever going out in public trying to do some shopping. Especially if you've got shopping items that uh, maybe are on your list and you're looking forward to and hoping that you'd actually get them by Christmas and you're waiting for deliveries and they're not showing up on time. Or in my situation where I looked at this, I was hoping I would get this wonderful Christmas present. A wonderful Christmas present from Nintendo. Yeah, because on September 13th of this year, Nintendo made an announcement. An announcement almost 25 years later. Because if I take us all the way back in time, 25 years ago, it was August 23rd, 1997, and all of a sudden, Nintendo comes out with a new game that we had never seen before. It was a James Bond game. It was a first-person shooter. It was GoldenEye 007. And I remember when I got my hands on that, I remember the weird-looking Nintendo 64 controller and having to navigate that thing. I remember running around in all of the different mazes doing multiplayer and me and my friends playing against each other on our four controllers, shooting each other as fast as we could, throwing grenades at each other. It was so much fun. <laughs> like, I spent hours and hours and hours and I lost sleep. And even in college, I'm sure I skipped classes all for the sake of playing Goldeneye. And we fast forward 25 years later, and on September 13th, Nintendo announces that they have the N64 expansion pack. So now on your Nintendo Switch, you can play Nintendo 64 games. And they start talking about these games. But then they make this announcement. I think we've got this, Nancy. You can play a selection of Nintendo 64 games and enjoy many more gaming benefits with an active Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack membership. Oh, and there's one more game we should mention. And then they show me, it's coming soon. They don't tell me when. They just say it's coming soon. This was September 13th of this year. You know what I have been doing for the last 96 days? I have been waiting for this game to release. I have been waiting for the coming soon. And yes, I have counted the days, and that's why I know there are 96 days. For 96 days, I have been using Google... When does GoldenEye 007 drop on the Switch? I have been using YouTube. When is 007 coming to the Switch? 
I have been using TikTok. I have been using Twitter. I have been using Reddit. I have been searching everywhere I can to try to find the release. I have even been searching in the Japanese websites and using Google Translate to try to get some insight because Nintendo's a Japanese company. You know what I have found? Coming soon. Coming soon. And you know what makes this even worse? Every month, on about the 13th, Nintendo, for their Switch, drop a new Nintendo 64 game. You know what happened on December 13th? Nothing. And nothing on the 14th, and nothing on the 15th, and nothing on the 16th, and nothing on the 17th. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, give me my GoldenEye 007. That's all I want for Christmas. I even tweeted that out yesterday. All I want for Christmas is to be able to play GoldenEye on my Nintendo Switch. That's what I want for Christmas. And I have been waiting, and I have been waiting. And all they tell me is coming soon. How can I be at peace when I am waiting for a game and they have not released it for me? Now, I get this, that this is the challenge that I'm going through right now. It'll be the challenge that I will have for the next week, hoping that at least sometime it drops. Maybe Nintendo will leave GoldenEye underneath my Christmas tree, or rather adjacent to the Christmas tree on my Switch. Maybe it'll be there next Sunday. If it's there next Sunday, I will do everything in my power not to speed this service up so I can get home and play it. <laughs> but I've been looking forward to this game. 25 years ago, the joy that I had in playing this game and forgetting all of my responsibilities, I want that again. <laughs> like, I want to, you know what? I don't want to just go around and play this game, first person shooter, and blow up my friends. I want to do it to my children. I want to destroy them this game because they don't know how to play the Nintendo 64. I know how to play the Nintendo 64. This will not be called GoldenEye, it'll be called Dad Wins Again. And I have been looking forward to this, but this is my current challenge. And I understand that, especially in this holiday season, my challenge pales in comparison to a lot of the challenges that people are facing. We are often facing so many other challenges that are so much greater than this, so much deeper than this, so much more real than just a video game. We're facing real challenges. We are facing, you know, financial challenges. There are people out there that are facing some hard financial challenges because at this time of year, the weather starts changing. And here in Iowa, a lot of people are being laid off. And there are some people that have just lost their jobs. There are some people that they were hoping that they would get a raise this year. And you know what? The raise was not in competition and not at the level of what inflation was. And now we've got this extra burden of all these Christmas gifts that we want to buy. And we want to buy them because we like to be giving. I mean, we're created in the image of God. God is a giver. We want to be giving like he is. We want to see the joy on others' faces, on the faces of our friends and our family when we give them gifts. But there are financial constraints that prevent us from being able to do that. And all of that, while we still have bills to pay. There are people that are facing real financial struggles. So if I were just to mention, you know what, I'm, I'm really having a hard time finding peace because my Nintendo game hasn't shown up. 
people would think I've lost it. Like I'm completely out of touch. And there's not those financial problems, not just the financial problems. There are people that have physical problems. And I know the last few weeks I've been talking about my own health changes that have happened and how uh, I, I've struggled with maybe some gluttony and some self-control because I see this pumpkin pie that I got from Costco and it was only $6. And I looked at that and I was like, this is one slice. Like it's sliced in the shape of round, but this is my slice. I'm going to eat the whole thing. And at times I feel ashamed for eating the whole thing. And then at other times I remember how delicious it was. And I was like, no, I'm not going to feel ashamed. And then I hop on the scale and then I was like, oh, maybe I do feel a little shame in this. And yet I can control that. I can control that. I've done it this week. I just stopped eating sweets. I started going back on my healthy eating. I watched the scale drop down. I've got control over my own health in such a way that I can do that. I figured out how to do that. But there are others that haven't figured it out. There are others that have tried and yet they still struggle. They struggle with maintaining the proper weight balance. There are others that it's not even about the weight. It's not about what they're eating. It's about physical health where they have hurts where they have diseases where they've got wounds and they're needing a true healing and they've not just been waiting for you know the holidays to get past so they can get past all of the uh, temptations that are put on their plate they've been waiting on god to provide a miracle in their lives because they are hurting and they are broken they're looking for deliverance in this there are real financial problems and challenges. There are real physical problems and challenges. And there are real relational challenges that people are going through. People are struggling with relational challenges, especially this time of year. Because there are people that we're having to deal with difficult people. And if you've never had to deal with a difficult person, congratulations. But just know you're the difficult person that everybody else has to deal with. Because if you don't think that there's any problems, chances are you're the problem. And this time of year, we're dealing with it because we, we've not seen each other all the time. And now we're coming back in for these large family gatherings. And then there's others that they're not even having the family gatherings. Or when they're having the family gatherings, there's key members of the family that are missing. This is a milestone Christmas in their life, which presents a new challenge because it's their first Christmas without this individual. And people are hurting and people have real challenges. And yes, I, I use this little illustration of me with GoldenEye and trying to play this video game because I'm, I'm serious about this. I've been looking forward to it and I'm excited for it to release. But there are other real challenges that we're all facing and I'm not talking about like challenges where we're just waiting on Nintendo to give us an actual date instead of coming soon. I'm talking about the challenges that we face in life where it's difficult to have peace because we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God to come through. And people are asking this question. They're saying, why is God making me wait right now? And how can I be at peace when I'm waiting? But I would pose that maybe we ask a different question. Not about why is God making me wait or how can I have peace? Maybe the question that we need to be asking is what good can come from our waiting? 
I want us to look at what God says in his Bible because there is benefit to us waiting. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. And I want to show this Christmas verse that we'll have for the day. But I want us to see some lessons that we can learn about waiting in this passage. We're going to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. And I'm going to read them first out of the New King James Version. And then we're going to pull them up on the screen out of the New Living as well. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. The New Living Translation says, But when the right time came, God sent his Son. But when the right time came, See, this passage, it may talk about the fullness of time. I like how the New Living says it's when the right time happened. This is when the right time had happened. Now, what's the benefit of this? See, maybe the thing that we don't understand and and realize is that people were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Christ to come. For thousands of years, they had been waiting for this to happen. When is he going to come? When is he going to come? People thought they had ideas about this. They thought they knew who it was. There were those that when David rises up, they're like, ah, David, he's the Messiah. He wasn't. They find out it's going to be a son of David. Then they see Elijah and they know that Elijah is a prophet, but all of a sudden a prophecy comes that Elijah is going to return. And they're like, oh, That's what it is. Elijah must be the Messiah. He wasn't. And then John the Baptist comes out. Like, ah, maybe he's the Messiah. We even see this in Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Look at this one. Luke 3, 15, it talks about this. It says, now as the people were in expectation. Expectation. Why? They're expecting something. They're waiting for something. They knew it was coming. They were all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. Is he the Christ or not? Now, John was able to perceive on this, and you can read in the very next verse. John's like, I'm not the one. He who's coming after me, who's mightier than me, I don't, I'm not even worthy of lacing up the sandals. He's not only going to baptize you, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He's the one you've been looking for. But people were looking and they're expecting, who is this going to be? And they've been expecting it for thousands of years. Because God had this plan and God had kind of given them a hint. The plan is coming, going all the way back to Genesis 3. Genesis 3.15, we go all the way back and we see this one. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. (laughs) I love this. I love this so much because there's so much illustration here. But one of the biggest things that people miss 
is where it says he's going to put enmity and he's talking to Satan. He's talking to the serpent. He's talking to the devil. He's talking to our enemy. I'm going to put this divide. You're going to be enemies between your seed and her seed. Her seed? Her seed? Women don't have seeds. So how does she have a seed? The only way that happens is if there was no man involved. And from this moment, God starts to prophesy and lay out his plan. And for thousands of years, people are looking for her seed. When is this going to happen? When is Satan going to be crushed under him? When is he going to come and deliver us? And they are waiting and they are expecting. And yet it's delayed and it's delayed and it's delayed and it's delayed. And you think that they didn't start coming up with their own plans? Their own ways of doing things? No, they create their own gods. They create their own idols. They start doing things their own way and stop trusting God. What we need to remember is that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is always perfect. He's the one that created time. He created everything. He knows best. Why? Because he's God and you're not. I'm not. I look at this, I look at back at Galatians 4.4, 4, I see that Paul's saying, but when the right time had come, God sent his son. He didn't send him at the wrong time. He sent him at the right time. He sent him when all of the prophecies had been fulfilled so that there would be no doubt anywhere in the world that Jesus is the Messiah. If anybody looks at the evidence, if anybody looks at the facts, if anybody looks at the prophecies, and all of the biblical and extra-biblical evidence that is out there in ancient scrolls and antiquity, there is no doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. It is a mathematical impossibility for anybody to complete even a fraction of the prophecies about Jesus. And yet it's well documented that he completed them all. There's no doubt it took the right time and God knew it must take the right time. Because if anybody wants to reason, there can be no doubt. It had to happen at the right time. Now I think about that, and I think about the timing, and obviously I have to think about Ecclesiastes 3. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it tells us that there is a season for everything. There is a time for every purpose under the sun. And I love what it says down in verse 8 of that chapter. It says there's a time to love, a time to hate. But look at this last part. There's a time of war and a time of peace. Now we can sit there and we can think a worldwide or a natural or a physical war and a natural and a physical peace. And that's not wrong, but I don't believe that's complete. Because while we're struggling with these financial, these physical, and these relational challenges, many of us are at war inside. 
We're at war with our minds. We're at war with our emotions. We're at war with the hurts and the pains that we're going through. And yet I find comfort in knowing that God's timing is perfect. And even if there's a time for war inside me, there's a time for peace inside me. And I'm looking forward to that peace. I understand that God's timing is perfect. See, the problem I think that we have in this modern day culture is we've become impatient. We've got to have it and we've got to have it now and we've got to have it our way. Why? Because Burger King told me I could. Like we just have to have it. And so we're always trying to figure out what's the best way. What is my way? How do I get things done? And it goes even worse than that because then we start trying to figure things out for God. We try to be God. You see, there's a a difference when we look back at Jesus' first coming to Jesus' second coming because we've been told that he's coming back. He's returning. And just like Nintendo, we're told he's coming soon. When is coming soon? Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you were talking to. Harold Camping decided that soon was September 6th of 1994. That's when Jesus was going to come back. And when it didn't happen on no, or September 6th, he changed his mind. And, well, now it's going to be September 29th. And then that didn't happen. And, oh, I was a week off. It's going to be October 2nd. And he was wrong. So he decided to wait a couple decades. And then he predicted it was going to be May 21st, 2011, was the second coming of Christ. And then like six months later, we're going to get to October. That's the end of the world. We're all here. That didn't happen. Then there was, uh, oh yeah, you remember Y2K? Everybody thought the end of the world was going to happen. Because all of a sudden, the computers took over everything and they couldn't figure out how to change their calendar from 1999 to 2000. And all of a sudden, we were going to go back to 1901. Oh no, it's all going to end. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, then there was uh, the Mayan calendar, if you remember that. On December 21st, 2012, it was predicted that was going to be the end of the world and Jesus was coming back because something that Nostradamus had said lined up with the Mayan calendar ending on that day. Um, I'm thinking maybe they just got tired of writing out a calendar when they had already made it to like 2012. They're like, that's ah, good enough. Because obviously the end of the world didn't happen. Um, oh, you remember uh, those four blood moons and how everybody thought that was going to be the end? Nope, Jesus didn't come back then. Uh, and then there was uh, the day of Pentecost in 2019. They said on the day of Pentecost in 2019, that's when he was going to return. That didn't happen. Oh, and then there was this lady uh, back in 71. She wrote a book predicting that there was going to be a worldwide Armageddon in 2020. She wrote that in 71. Like, I mean, we lived through 2020. It was pretty close. Major worldwide event, right? And she even accurately predicted the date of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So maybe she was right. Maybe we all missed it. Or maybe not, because she also predicted that in 1958 it was going to be World War III. 
she was way off there. You see, what happens is we're all trying to predict the second coming. The world is trying to predict the second coming. They're guessing and they're predicting. But you know what the Magi did with the first coming? They watched. They waited. They watched and they waited. They didn't try to guess. They didn't try to predict. They didn't try to force it. They weren't doing things that maybe we can somehow manipulate God and speed things up. No, they watched and they waited. And that's how they knew where he was coming. That's why we refer to them as wise men. Wise men watch. Wise men wait. What does that make us when we have a problem waiting? Not so wise. Maybe we're foolish. Especially when I look at all of these people who have tried to predict the return of Jesus and the second coming. And I'm like, I can't help it. Every time somebody comes up with a new date, I just want to get in front of them, look them in the face and say, are you dumb? Jesus told us we won't know. He himself said we won't know. He himself said he didn't know. Look what it says here in Mark chapter 3 or 13 verse 4. They were doing the same thing. The disciples are asking him, they're like, tell us when all of these things will happen. What will be the sign? When will this all be fulfilled? He starts giving them a list. He's like, guess what? It's going to be like in the days of Noah. Oh yeah, and then there are going to be people out in the field. One's going to get taken away. The other's going to get left behind. I guess that's where we started to get these movies of the Left Behind series. That's where we come up with this this theory of it's not even a theory. It's the theology of the rapture. Why? Because it's a taking away. It's a catching away. One's going to be caught away. And you know what Jesus says when they say, tell him? He tells them in verse 32, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, only the father. So I don't care who comes up with these dates. Why? Because they're not waiting on God. They're trying to be God. They're trying to predict his timing. They're trying to figure everything out. And all God has told us all along is trust me and obey me. And what did Jesus tell us to do when we're, when we're looking for his return? When it comes to his return, watch and wait. The same process for the second coming was the same process for the first coming. Watch and and wait. And yet I look at those wise men. I'm thinking, man, those guys, they were at peace. But this world isn't. The church isn't. Christianity isn't. But we can find peace if we will understand that God's timing is perfect and that God is in control. Now I get it. That second statement I made, God is in control. That struggles with us sometimes. It is a struggle. I want to play a little game with you. Um, This is going to be in the style of Jeff Foxworthy. This will be, you might be a control freak instead of you might be a redneck. If you have a hard time delegating tasks and responsibilities to others, you might be a control freak. 
If you have difficulty trusting others to make decisions, you might be a control freak. If you become anxious or stressed when things don't go according to your plan, you might be a control freak. If you have a hard time relaxing in situations out of your control, you might be a control freak. And if you struggle to adapt to new situations, you might be a control freak. Show of hands, any control freaks here in this place? Like, it becomes hard at times, especially in this world where we are told, and in this nation, to be independent. But God is calling us to depend on Him, to trust Him, and understand that He is in control, that He knows best, He has the perfect timing, He's got control of it, and if we will just trust Him, we can have peace in the waiting. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, it says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, nor eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard a God like you who works for those who wait for him. While you're waiting, God's been working. While you're waiting, God has been working. We learn that story through Daniel. We see that story of Daniel where all of a sudden Daniel is trying to figure out this vision that he had. And what does it mean for his people? What does it mean for the future? And he had sent this out and Gabriel comes back. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, Gabriel comes in. It says, he says to him after touching him on the shoulder, do not fear, Daniel, from the, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days? For the vision refers to many days yet to come. Daniel is looking for this vision. He asks God to help him and to show him. He is struggling with this because he's like, what does this all mean? Help me understand this because I need to know what this means for us so I can convey your message to people. And when he asks that, it says from the moment that he leans his heart towards understanding. From the moment he humbles himself to God, humble himself as in like, I'm not in control. I'm not going to figure out what all of these signs mean. Instead, I'm just going to ask God to reveal it to me. From that moment, God's like, Gabriel, one of his chief angels, one of the archangels, Gabriel, go deliver that message. And it talks about the kings of Persia. What is that? It's the principalities. It's the rulers of the air. It's the demonic forces that are stopping him from reaching Daniel with the message. And he has been at war with them. He has been battling at them for 21 days trying to deliver this message. Daniel has been waiting for 21 days. And the whole time that Daniel was waiting, God was working. Because God had sent Gabriel. And when Gabriel couldn't deliver it on his own, he sends Michael to give him some support. And finally, the message comes. In your life, God's working. God's working. But see, we think that he's not. And oftentimes when it comes to waiting, we think waiting is just wasting time. Like we're sitting in the McDonald's drive-thru and they had to drop a new batch of fries. 
four more minutes wasting time. Waiting on God is not wasting time, it's growing time. It is time for you to start growing into the characteristics that God is trying to develop in your life. What if God is waiting for you right now to start practicing patience and develop the peace of God in your life? What if God is waiting for you to finally understand that his timing is perfect and he is in control? What if he is waiting on you to take your hands off the situation and let him get involved? What if God is waiting for you to stop trying to figure it out and just trust that he knows best? What if he's waiting on you? All along, you think you've been waiting on him. See, the thing is, is that waiting on God, it's not wasting time. This is growing time. This is time for you to develop the characteristics of God. This time that we are in right now, this holiday season is time for us to develop those things. When, when Nintendo tells me, coming soon, instead of me continually checking Google and YouTube and Twitter and Reddit, trying to figure out what does coming soon mean, maybe I should just see this waiting time as growing time. And it's time for me to grow in patience so that I can find peace. And trusting, it doesn't matter when coming soon is, because whether it's today, tomorrow, next Sunday, next year, or three years from now, I'm going to be just as excited to play that game as I was 25 years ago. Why are we so worried about trying to figure out when the second coming of Jesus is? doesn't matter. It'll be in God's perfect timing and we'll be just as excited as they were at his first coming. And we ought to be just as excited and have just as much anticipation as we do every December 25th when we celebrate his first coming. We're all facing many challenges and they're much bigger than Nintendo. They're physical they're financial, they're relational, and they're real. But we need to remember that waiting on God is not wasting, it's growing. How about we remember who God is, what God does. Remember that he loves us. Remember that he cares for us. Remember that he wants the best for us and that he's proven it by sending his son. And when we remember that, let's stop whining about waiting and just start growing in God. Let's pray.